Um, hello. And all recording devices are on now, and we're we're fully recorded. We're fully immersed in the re recording process. Things are um, undeniably recorded at this point, and the record will show that at the point that I started talking, that I mean, the record will show that the things I've been saying since the recorder started are recorded sayings, are recorded phrasings. They are recorded um, history. We are we are in the depths of... We are very deep into a recording right now, very deep. We are very far into recording. And um, uh, it's just... And... But things are... Well... And then, but... Uh, and then how recorded does something need to be for it to be recorded? Did it get recorded yet? It's just, uh, like people started to all make content on YouTube and that's pretty whack, but at what point, and then like, uh, people sharing posts and sharing videos that they like, I mean, people, people writing things from their own mind that they're like, I wanted to say this today when they tweet that out or just post it somewhere um like things didn't used to be recorded like that but at some point we came we're like uh as far as history is concerned we came up with the ability to be like um we're gonna record things the same way that historical events are recorded a little bit it's like because you cement your legacy more if you have more recorded material but uh it's like nobody we didn't have the ability to do that just in the 80s besides video cameras of family functions like video camera ing family functions you could record your own history there but now everybody can record just like what i'm doing like now there's all this hours of documented footage of me that's on the internet. Uh, isn't that a miracle? And the world is a better place as a result. But the point that I'm making is just like the Nile River is uh, pretty recorded. It's been there for thousands of years, but that's not because of somebody recording it that's because it's just always there but like it is because people recorded it at different points in time but it's like it's it's a geographical feature so it's got to be, be recorded for maps shit like that like it's that it's so prominent a feature you can't miss it but it's it's always there i'm saying that that lasts so much longer historically but it's not because of documentation so much it is like documentation. It's just, it's not a, you understand the point that I'm making though, is that like, uh, your, your history is not, it's not dependent on you recording yourself. That doesn't make you better, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like everybody is chasing immortality anyway, but now the internet makes it, gives people the illusion that they can achieve that more so. But, I mean, it's probably like technological advancement has probably always been giving people the illusion that they can achieve immortality. Like, people are probably always under the illusion that they can achieve immortality through the mediums that are presented to them 
in the world that they live in, given their world circumstances in whatever era that they lived in, like chariot races. Like, I mean, were things as fame-based as they are now? But, I mean, that's an American thing, that they're so fame-based. But there are other cultures, like Rome is a bit more American, the amount that they were excited about having fun about things, that they're like, uh, they they make it so that you can achieve prestige and honor just from being a um, migrant, from being a low-level person. Like, you can, you can become a gladiator and then achieve fame and be heralded and admired by everybody in Rome. Like, uh, you could achieve that from being a low-level person. And I mean, like, Rome was more about having fun, kind of the way that America is about having fun. Like, they're good at having fun because achieving some sort of dream but I, like just they devoted more energy and money to entertainment than other civilizations you'd say that rome is more characterized by entertainment than other ones but every everybody loved entertainment it's just kind of like cities themselves and giant civilizations themselves are more about having fun because when people gather in a city, they're, those are the more outgoing people. Like, you live near a city because you want to be a part of the action, but there's just more action happening. So any big civilization really is more having more fun than uh, civilizations that are less remembered or uh, that are more out in the country. Like, but cities, like, the mo like Rome is very remembered, one of the, probably the most remembered empire, really. And so that speaks to... Uh, like, what gives it that charm? It's kind of like the way that the 60s is the most remembered decade for, like, at least locally, at least the way that we live now, we're like, that decade is the most remembered. Because there was a decade before the 60s, maybe, like, people who lived in the year 1908 were probably like, oh, the 1830s, that's the decade that we remember. Possibly, or maybe it wasn't like that at all. But, um... Because now at this point, the 60s trumps all other decades in terms of being memorable. But, um, like, that the Roman Empire is so remembered, it has to do with how long it lasted and how much power they had. But, like, it's, it's sort of recent, too, because the Egyptians probably had tons of power. It's like the Egyptians are almost as remembered as the Romans, but they were further back. So that it's kind of like that one has more weight than... Um, the Roman Empire does the Egyptian like the Egyptians are probably do even better like even more accumulation of money over time like more like how far back they are but that we still remember them speaks to a greater carbon footprint a greater impression that they left on all of humanity but like civilizations are kind of are points of reference within the consciousness of humanity, but they're, they're shit that happened in the past, and they're kind of, they're a little bit like a dream, I would say, maybe, and maybe that's what I'd say. They're kind of like a dream, like they're a memory, but that a dream, I'd say that a dream plays out like a memory when you, when you recognize that it happened previously, but you trying to remember a dream that you had is like, um, can oftentimes be like trying to remember a memory that you had given enough time because your memories will f fade. But some memorable experience that you had 
Um, it's kind of like a dream if you, depending on how much you want to gather from it. Like if you want to go back to that experience, like, like things that you dwell on the most, the points of reference in your history that you have to bring up the most or that are most mentionable to you or that you would speak to other people. They kind of are, uh, they're a little bit like dreams because you don't remember the exact way that they played out, but like you repeating it, but they're, they're records. You repeating it and bringing it back up is like reliving it in a new context will never bring back what it originally meant to you or like the way that it originally played out. But it's the same with relationships that sometimes your memory of a relationship is bigger than the actual time that you spent with a, with a person like you, you can build up because there's people that are like your best friends. And, uh, and then there's also people that are, that weren't your best friend, but that you think about a lot. Like there's the people that you just end up thinking about and they are like, they didn't have to be your friend or they didn't have to be significant to you. But, um, like you're, uh, this is, this is me recorded. I'm, I'm recorded right now. Like I get into thinking about how other people, like a perception that other people have. And then this is, um, this is recorded. Like, um, you're, uh, there's, there's, um, you have friends and it's just that the, the perception that you have, like when I go and talk, if I do stand up comedy and people see me, then the memory that I'm creating is like, what's like, it's sort of like I'm creating it because I'm the most responsible. If you're standing up and giving a presentation of sorts, you're the most responsible for any memory that would be created if if anybody remembered it. But like, first of all, most of the things you do aren't going to be remembered by anybody, even locally, even temporarily. Um, And but the things that are remembered, but like you, you have thousands of dreams or whatever it is during the course of a year, like you are dream, uh, allegedly you're dreaming all the way through the night. And then a lot of times you don't even remember any dream you had. And, but then sometimes you do, it's just like, it's kind of like the amount of dreams that you would remember is like, is correlates somewhat to the amount of memories that you actually remember, because there's very few, there's very few memories that you actually remember. And it's really like the game of memory is about um, like the length of time and then the impact of the moment. And then you figure out later on how much of an impact it made because then you remember it. It's like um, you don't know how much, how memorable a thing is when you, when it happens to you. And then you realize later, like, oh, I can't believe I like the things, some of the things I remember the longest time later are like, it's like when that happened, it wasn't that big a deal. I can remember when it happened, like things that are really memorable also aren't necessarily that big a deal. They might just be memorable. Like they might not have had that much impact at the time, but that it's memorable to you speaks about what you like or whatever, like 
uh, yeah, some of the things I remember the longest, they're kind of just like glitches that it's like, well, I remember that because of some, uh, some stupid reason, because this stupid reason made it memorable to me. But like, so I guess I'm saying that memory isn't, um, like the things that you remember aren't necessarily the greatest, but, uh, but then you would like, of course they would have to be the greatest because it's always greatness that we associate with the, like the Egyptians are the greatest. Like I would associate greatness with them based on how much, uh, they're still in the consciousness of humanity, but like whatever they did, I mean, they were doing some voodoo shit that, that made them really memorable, whatever it was, like whatever shit that they were into, whatever energies they tapped into made their civilization very memorable, but it's probably they're more mystical or probably more ethno-religious. And I would say Egyptians probably more ethno-religious or just whatever they're doing, but it's uh, like Jews are kind of gypsy, I would say. Jews are a little bit gypsy and um, before you tell me that that's offensive to Jews, because it would be on the surface, but it's just that the problem is that on the surface, the word gypsy literally translates to out of Egypt. And that's that's literally what it means. But the same G-Y-P is uh, the G-Y-P that's in Egypt. It's, a, it's an adjective for Egyptian, sort of. And there is nothing really more out of Egypt than Israelites. So quite literally, Jews are very gypsy. But, uh, like, I would say something that's more ethno-religious is, like, the Jews are sort of gypsy, but they're out of Egypt. But, like, out of Egyptness is quite literally a gypsy behavior, but it's, like, it's very memorable or distinct. I'm just being uh, rude. But not, it. it's really just for other people's perception that anyone would care. I don't know why you can't. I don't know why you can't say Jew and like why people are worried about that. Like you, you can't, you have to, you have to skirt around it. You don't get to address it directly. Like you can't be like, I love the Jews. It's like, I love them. They're, they take a special place of interest in my heart. Like I, I love the Jews. I love what they're doing. Like I love their energy. I love Jews. Like you can't make them a point of fascination. You can't say that you love them or anything like that. But I don't know why that is. It's just for other people are freaked out about it. And um, it's bizarre that anybody cares about things like that. But um, why are people freaked out about... People are freaked out about racism, of course. And But it's just like... Um, it's just like... Whatever the Egyptians were doing made them pretty memorable, but they must have been, they might have been engaged in some weird shit that like human, like that humanity is hypnotized by their, the memory of them to some extent that they were like, we think we have to keep going back to the Egyptians to figure out something. We think that they hold the key. Like we still believe in the power of mystery that the Egyptians impressed on the world even though they've been gone for thousands of years people are still like there's keys and there's artifacts because there might actually be but it's kind of like uh witchcraft <laughs> a little bit and that's just uh it's it's just like a little bit magical obviously it's a little bit magical whatever the egyptians had going on and um 
but like were they trying it's probably not so much that they're trying to be remembered really i i wouldn't say that they were like engaged in magic for the purpose of being remembered forever i'd say that their civilization was just such that they were the char- the character of it is unforgettable um and like civilizations are like dreams in the consciousness of humanity like their their memories there's some that are more there's some that are more memorable, but um, it's like you can't, n- not everybody is going to consider that a dream would be anything as good as a memory because some people are like, a dream doesn't mean anything, but um, it's kind of like dreams are something that you can go into in life. They're uh, like, there are people that go into dreams the same way that you might go into tarot card reading. Basically, you could... You can do that. That's a, that's like a genre of magic that probably lots of people engage in where some people are just getting lost in their own dreams and trying to figure out more and more about their dreams. There's got to be there's got to be lots of people like that, but it's kind of like they dreams is one of their drugs of choice where they're like because if you spend a lot of time focusing on your dreams, you're going to be more into that. You're going to you're going to remember your dreams the more that you remember them the more that you write them down and make it a point to gather whatever it is from your dreams gather wisdom from them is the more that you're giving yourself over to that but it's kind of like a channeling of magic that you could get involved just one of the areas of it you're like these because there's some truth in your dreams and but um you i'm just saying like you could be addicted to your own dreams if you thought that they were very I don't know. There's there's probably a number of people doing shit like that, but it's just like a source of magic the same way other things are. Or you're, but um, like a dream... I wouldn't do something like that, by the way. By the way, I wouldn't really get into that, I don't, I don't think, because you wouldn't want to make dreams your drug, drug of choice because you're who knows you could it would be based on your own figuring out of your own dreams but like you you can do that sometimes like you can work out the metaphor that your dream presents but um and it's it's like uh that's if if you go more into thinking about your dream you can treat it like a memory where it's like once I break down what it meant to me and why I keep remembering it, then I will figure out something to help myself out going forward or, or whatever it is. I mean, you could do that, but, um, it's really like, it's like the, uh, the, the dream, like, uh, but people use the word dream for, um, the future, the thing that they're doing in the future. And that's not the greatest use of it because that's like people equate a dream with a vision. They like people will say that a dream is the same thing as a vision. And that's not exactly true because dreams are of the past more so. I mean, dreams are something that you slept and then it happened before, but a vision is something you see for the future. But people equate dreams with visions, but also that they're like, um, they act like the they act like the thing that you want the most is a dream or it's just an illusion when 
uh, like probably more should be spoken about that you can accomplish the thing that you are trying to do rather than that your dream is complete illusion. Because the word dream is for illusions mostly. Like it's it's illusory and um, it's it's a it's deceptive like a, the same way that a memory you make it out to be more of an ideal like your dream is deceptive and uh it's it's an illusion to the extent that it's an ideal because the more that you try to achieve an ideal is that you you can never achieve an ideal but the same way that you can see your life playing out and then you capture the vision of that in your head you're like this is what could happen like the thing that you want to do the most or like your ideal life, um, the more that you don't try to achieve any of that, like gradually, the more that you don't engage in the path to accomplish that at all is the more that it's just kind of a vision that's captured in your head. But it's like the, the vision that you could do is never, when you actually start doing it, it's, it's never, it's the vision doesn't cut it once you actually start doing something like, um, but that we use the word dream for the thing that you are can accomplish it's not really it's not really an illusion when you realize that you can you can actually just do take steps towards what you want and like you would figure out that it was a bad dream if you did it at all but it it's like um it's like and it's uh too much concerned with saying that your dream the thing that you want the most is always good for you because it's really more the case that it's something that you can accomplish, but then we build it up to be this positive ideal and act like it's not, you can't get there because it's like your wild, it's just in your imagination, it's your wildest dream. But um, it has to do with like the more that we say that this is like a dream that you're trying to accomplish is the more that it's, it has to do with building up the idea of an imagination and saying that you're, um, like saying that you need to preserve your own imagination because this is where your dreams come from or it's like you won't be able to dream if you don't protect your own imagination or like you won't be able to create things without the facility of an imagination and um like this is kind of like if you don't enact your visions you give more power to an imagination or your ima the imagined state of things and this is not necessarily helpful it's just that like dreaming about things isn't good for you because people act like you have to be able to dream like you have bigger imagination oh you're really a dreamer or that you it's like you were able people who accomplish the biggest things is because they're they're able to dream about it but i would say that it's probably it's actually more the case that letting go of a dream or letting go of the idea of an imagination is the only thing that allows you to actually accomplish the thing like the people who have accomplished the most lost sight of their dreams i think a long time ago and like this i feel like this is true when i go and do stand-up comedy like if i actually go in the direction of this thing i wanted to do or like i actually do it and then consider where that could lead if i kept doing it um it's really more a letting go of a dream rather than that you're accomplishing a dream because and it's kind of like in Batman 3 when Batman, it's kind of like in Batman 3 when Batman was uh, imprisoned into that pit and then he had to get out of the pit to, um, 
like Batman was in prison in the pit and then he had to get out of it in order to get back to Gotham because uh, instead of be like the evil villain put him in this pit instead of that um, he killed him for whatever reason. But the premise is that Batman and anybody that's in this pit can get out of the pit if they make this leap out of it, but nobody can make the leap and they practice doing it when they're tethered in like, uh, so like if you've seen the movie you know what i'm talking about but basically you can't get out of the pit unless you don't use a tether in the movie and um isn't that whack um in the movie you have to lose the tether in order to actually make the leap but like everybody who's trying to get out they practice doing it beforehand but they use the tether and then they can never make it but the secret is that the tether actually prevents you just enough that you will never actually be able to make the leap but this is the same thing that i'm talking about is that like your vision never cuts it the dream that you have is never good enough for terms of in terms of what you could actually do and it has to do with that an image is nothing like an experience an image isn't as good as an experience because an experience is motion picture and an image is just one picture but like um you if you're actually doing the dream then it isn't a vision anymore and it's really like the way that i'd say life plays out for me is that everything that i picture like i'm gonna go to this concert or something and it's at a venue i've never been to before it's never the way that i pictured it when i get there or any like new job interview or the way that a building is about to look for a new job I start or anything like that, any new situation, it's never how I pictured it. But, and I, I would have said that that's more like, uh, um, specific to me that like, maybe that's just because I'm bad at drawing. Like I can't, I don't ever picture it because it might just be specific to me. I, nothing that I encounter for the first time is ever how I pictured it. But like, um, it's basically like, I'd say that that's because what you picture is not going to ever account for a, an experience and especially one that is uh created by many different people's perceptions by many people watching it and so it's like if i do comedy on stage it's already way different from how i could picture it because my dreams and my visions are just limited to me and then at the point that i like do stand-up comedy this memory that could possibly be created is created and remembered by everybody that's in the room and so it's like so many more degrees of profoundness if lots of people are there than like just the vision that's in your own head about it the dream that you have is is limited to you and this is like in my estimation why anything that i picture is nothing like the real thing and it's it's like it's like that that you need to at the point that you make the leap out of the pit with it, without a tether, which is the only way that you can actually accomplish the thing that you wanted, like, um, because as long as there's a tether there, you can, that's, it's representative of that you can fall back into your own imagination whenever you want. And like, basically, you, you can always stay in the pit and um, you're like, you you prevent yourself from doing that by i mean it's not like it's not like understood in the movie that if you go without the tether you're going to make it so it's like a lot more risky if for the the way that the movie embellished it and sensationalized it but it's like in my opinion it kind of represents that that um 
and that's my opinion of it. Is my opinion in my opinion my opinion of it? It represents you, like in actually actually making a leap to do something. It's really it involves not being tethered to anything, obviously. But it's like it's it's more deals in motion pictures than a single images because it's like it's automatically just it's like jumping into a pool you know there's nothing you can do and it's it's i mean it's more memorable if it's a memory that's possibly collective of many people but like um like what i'm saying is that you make that leap and then it's just the vision and um but and then uh and certainly but it's um like the uh the dreams that you like civilizations are like single points of reference or like they're like memories um okay so i'm 20 29 minutes in and then yeah so when i go on stage it's less of an an imagined thing automatically but the the world is more about saying your dreams are just something that you imagine but i mean maybe that's that's just part of the deception of it it's kind of like because a dream is a word for an illusion or a deception at all but um like part of the deception is saying that it's not accomplishable but like you you give the things that you want to do over to this world of deception and illusion if you classify them as dreams so it's like it's not really helpful to say that what you want to do the most is a dream but it's um it speaks to that it's an ideal th it's an ideal thing but it's like it's it's always an ideal until you actually do it and then at that point you actually do it um or is like take steps in that direction then it isn't what you pictured because it's not perfect because an an action isn't perfect like a motion picture is i would say that isn't perfect and it doesn't deal in perfection because it is um it flies in contrast to flies in the face of images like things that you can build up as singular instances like motion already ignores that but i'm talking about something like being unidentified as opposed to identified like ident unidentified is more motion like uh it's more current it's more like a verb Identity is more like a noun. Unidentity is more like a verb. But uh, a verb, the kind of thing I'm talking about is that nobody names their kid a verb ever. D and does anyone care? Does anybody want to draw attention to that? Why is every name a noun when there are so many verbs that you could use? But it's like we live in an identified world. We don't live in an unidentified world. That's why Elon Musk is so confusing. He is on, he's past this threshold of sorts, I would say something like past the threshold of identity, where he deals in more unidentified things, but it's like he's, his life is characterized by constant motion and constant creation. Like, but it's all, it's characterized by unidentity because he's trying to unidentify us to singularly the earth by expanding our identity but like you would have to be outside of the realm of identity to be doing to say that your character would reflect that so 
constantly, but I'm talking about a constant state of things. It's just that we don't, in a world that's so given to titles, that's authoritarian, given to identities, it's saying identities rule the world. They don't, but it's a world that names everybody a noun. They don't, um, they don't cla classify people as verbs or like we don't see people as this. It's we see people as these points of reference or more as like something memorable and uh, like uh, like there's more a story that would be based around you because you're a noun. But it's like it's just the artistic um, genre of naming people is the same as um you name somebody, same as Native Americans naming their kid Babbling Stream. Same as the Native Americans have like Dancing Willow as their name. And that might sound offensive. I don't, I don't know that I could uh, off the top of my head come up with an authentic Native American name, but that they name themselves like Bear of the Woods and shit like that. But that people are always doing shit, shit like that. Your, your name is Lion because you're strong. But that your name is means uh, word of God wagon wheel maker. If your name is like Theodore Wainwright or something, then but it's just it's like a it's a phraseology. It's a genre. It's an artistic genre that we name everybody the things that we name them that and that it's always nouns. But it's like a, it's this folksy thing. The same way that the word poem is an artistic genre. Like if we named people in poem form, but we don't. We name them in a different literary genre form of naming. Naming is like poetry. And that we are given over to naming everybody a noun just is a lack of recognition of that you could name somebody a verb, but that the world doesn't characterize people to be in constant motion. They characterize them to be uh, like... It's not, it's not really cool that people have to live their whole life under a name. It's not really, it's not really cool. And also they don't get to choose it. And, um, I was saving this point. I was saving it, but now here I, now here I am saying it to you. I was saving this point, but I'll just rehash it later, I guess. I just need to give myself the freedom to rehash the points and expand on them. Sometimes I say something and then I think that that means I have to ignore it the rest of the time, but it has to do with the thematic structure that I've built where I started talking about one word and then I th like sometimes I tell myself that I can't revisit it, but uh, like that's that's unfortunate because there's there's always more to be said about all of, all of the things. There's always more to be said really. But um, so naming is a is a poetic form, but it's not cool that somebody has to live their whole life under a name, obviously. And it's like as long as we're having the abortion debate, why are why is a baby not allowed to choose their own name? They're just given this weird poetic thing that they have to be their whole life, and that's not chosen by them. It's like the baby should get to choose his own name, his or her name, but. You don't, the way that it stands now, you would, you're seen to be disrespectful if you forego the family name that was given to you. So you're like, but it's, it's this traditionalist thing where, uh, but that somebody, 
somebody has to live their whole life under this phrase. You're like, this is what you are this whole life, your whole life, and people address you as that. And my name is Matthew, and that's a Hebrew name. But I'm not a Jew. But um, why did the Jews, as long as we're talking about Jewish people, uh, like, why were the Jews able to influence so many Westerners, but people around the world, like, everybody's naming their kids Jewish names when they're not Jewish? That, like, I, I live my whole life as a Jewish name, but I'm never a Jew, and I would never get to be that or even say the word Jew. Like, you're not even allowed to say that. When the Jews are out here, like, I'm a Jew my entire life, but I get none of the credit for that. And then this is unrelated to that other time I was talking about being a Jew. That was just a joke. This is this is something I am trying to understand seriously is um like that why why does everybody have a Jewish name but none of them are Jews? Like that Jews were able to influence in that way. It's like one of the most Jewish things that's ever happened. That that I am a walking billboard for Jew Jewish people because of my name. My entire everybody has to address me as this Jewish name my entire life. And I'm, um, I don't get to be a Jew for even a couple hours. It's bizarre to me. Um, but like, why is that they get all the credit? Like so many people are promoting Jewish culture by naming their kids these Jewish names when they aren't Jewish. And why is that? And... Like, I don't, I don't think it's right that I, you, but that's why Elon Musk names his kid a series of symbols. It's uh, gibberish. A number of futurists do that, where they name their kids something completely whack. And it's because they're trying to make a point about naming, that naming is outdated. Like, that's what, that's what futurists would do is because they don't believe in the traditionalist or religious nature of naming things that the entire world seems bent on promoting all the time. But it's like, um, no, there's other parts of speech besides a noun. Every, every single name is a noun. Does anybody care about that? Does anybody care to name it? You're a noun, but it has to do with, um, this folksy way of living that we, that's probably less evolved where we're like, you have to name somebody this, this, this. It's like a phrase it's, it's having to do with nature or having to do with the transcendent that somebody lives that doesn't nobody thinks about that phrase when they address them and that's like the meaning that you have to carry your entire life that you have to that a person is summed up in a single phrase the second they're out of the womb for their whole life is just very we live in a very restrictive world we we live in a very regulatory world where people are branding you with a brand, but it, it's like uh, it's like people have babies, and then um, the babies that they have are like TV characters in the sitcom of their family to some extent, where they they bring their own characters onto the show, and then they name them whatever they want. But uh, that aside, like I, I don't I don't have a problem with people having babies, like. Or anything like that. I don't. I wouldn't want to give that impression. Like it's it's real dope that people have babies and that they get married. Like I would like to get married and have kids, um, which is not for a while. And but um, 
like they you have your own people have their own babies and then they name them whatever they want and then people are like this is my son Andrew and then you're supposed to go along with that like oh yeah sure like this is my baby Andrew no it isn't that's not Andrew that, that's your baby that's Andrew this baby this baby is Andrew this baby what was he why just because there's a piece of paper that says that somewhere because you branded him with a that baby is Andrew I I don't know I don't prove it prove it this baby you're telling me that this baby you had that this is so you're giving him to me to hold and this baby's name is Andrew hmm prove it prove that that baby is Andrew show it to I don't I don't see it but like uh, it's just a perception that it's just a perception a title that your name and it's a standard of conduct with which everybody has to treat you but it's because of a belief that people have they're like oh that is actually your name but it's cemented in a piece of paper it's cemented in documentation because of because of the way that we do things because of the set of traditions that surrounds having a baby is once you have one then we make we write this piece of paper as proof that there is a baby. This is like as if you needed proof that there is a baby. And this is where we have a piece of paper that okay, for sure there is a baby and it is named this. But like I think that the baby should choose its own name, really, probably, because why do we why would why would biological parents get to choose a baby's name? to some extent obviously i'm just saying like at the point you ask the question with that much um disregard for obviously families play out this way and obviously the parents name their kid obviously but like if you ask the question with disregard to all of that obviousness then it's a legitimate question i would say that you have a kid and then you own the kid it's just branding for your family the same way that your family name is um same way that your family name is branding and marketing for you to but like you need a name to get by in the world like you need a name to put on resumes and job applications it's a branding and marketing tool you're like oh a passable name i mean to some extent obviously the things I'm saying are sort of ridiculous, but um, I'm saying that like your your family name is uh, you you have kids and then you brand them under your name. It's just like a tag for you. You now now I am a walking billboard for my family's last name and shit like that. Like um, always because they're the kid is the creation of the parents so like this is my creation brand under my name my it's like your written work or a book that you made is but like and it is that as long as this is the tradition we adhere to that you brand them with your name the second the creation shows itself it's the same thing as writing a book and putting your name on it it's, just, it's the same thing no different at all but like so is that the best way of doing things is to brand 
people like they're your creation as if biologically you own them like as biology or is like or is there a god or does god bring people onto the earth does god bring people onto the earth or did you do it like and it just speaks to um if you're na- you think you always have to name your kids then you think that you are god or you're the people think that they're the creators of the universe if they th- if they're like 100% of course i get the right to name my kid but i'm saying things that are just kind of um you would disagree with me Im- immediately because nobody is talking about naming their kid a verb but i'm i'm mentioning uh like yeah every name is a noun it's because we identify people to in close in closed minded ways and restrictive ways the world wants to conform everybody to the same level of bullshit and so they have to right out of the gate give everybody a stamp be like you are this and so what am i saying you do instead of that i'm just saying the person should get to choose their name obviously because they aren't um i mean but it speaks to how much you believe in um it's an authoritarian world that's given over to authority. It says the rulers are all, people who make the rules are always rulers, and it's it's a result of them having the most titles that we believe them to have, like a power mad world that gives power to the powerful, and says that the people who got the most power, well, they did something to get it, and so we should revere them to be the most powerful. And they the thing that they did was they got some title that they're like. This is why I'm the most powerful. A world that is so top-down like this, that is so authoritarian, is going to always say that the authority who made the thing, the author of the baby, always gets to choose the name immediately. It's a, it's an authorship kind of world like that, but it reveres parents to be the authorities because of power is always given to the rule makers and the authority. And so this kind of world automatically assumes that name is chosen by authority but it's it's an authority the authority the authoritative world just has no bounds it seeps into everything the kind of the state of the world that we live in right now um where it's like authority gets the right to name you because the baby but if we're going to talk about the baby as a right to its own life it also has a right to its own name especially too once it's born if that's true, then the baby also has a right to choose its own name, if it's allowed to be alive. So I'm saying it depends on how much you believe in God. Did God cause that baby, or did you cause that baby? And um, now I'm talking about like names and um, might not be related to what I was saying. This is my baby. Hi, this is my baby. No, I don't think so. This is my baby, Tina. Mm, I'm not sure. I don't think that that's Tina. What if that's what I did to people? This is our new baby, Margaret. Uh, mm, no, it isn't. No, it's not. Show That's Margaret? Why? Because you named it that? Good thing you named it or else this baby wouldn't be here. Like, people just want people want credit for the baby they had. Give me credit. I had it. That's part of why we never get off of naming. 
but I'm talking about that um, a dream happens and um, <clears throat> I forget a little bit about, I forget what I was talking about. I was going to say something about illusion. I can't remember what. Um, it was something interesting and illusory things. But um, there's there's memory that people have and people it's just like hallucinogens are um, illusions to some extent so it's like that your name people want to give their kid a name and then like Archimedes was given that name and he's remembered as that name forever and this helps the historicity of things too it was like your legacy tied to one name um, would it be harder to have a legacy as if you were named after a verb or something? Every, because every single name is a noun, and then it kind of like equates people to objects. But it, the same way that a civilization is a noun, is like a place. That everybody that comes on the earth, they're a person, a place, or a thing. They're never emotion. Like uh, a civilization, it can make you like a civilization. You're remembered that way. And people are chasing immortality and probably... One of the best ways you could achieve immortality is if you made an innovation in mathematics, really. Like, immortality is possible for you, and there's actually areas in mathematics that you can expand on because the last 200 years of mathematics is just pathetic as far as innovation is concerned because of, because of restrictiveness that seeped into people's understanding of math that we thought that it had to be done through authoritarian means and elitism. But it's, So it's like... Um, maybe the world wasn't always this authoritarian, but it wasn't because it wasn't uh, controllable to the whole earth. But at some point, like the earth got mapped more and more. We got more intelligent about the interconnectedness of the earth. And then what rose to power are people that are able to man manipulate the entire earth. And so, but um, I don't know. Like, things used to be more open in a sense, whereas, like, the Babylonian Empire was nowhere near the, uh, whatever was happening in France at that same time. Like, France probably had its own empire, but those were completely different worlds. Now we're just in one world, basically, where it's becoming more and more just one civilization. Because the competing civilizations are all more they're just interconnected obviously but like back in the day at the time of babylonian empire when nobody had mapped anything it's basically but it's like the mayans carrying out in the western hemisphere and then babylonians if they did that i don't think they're at the same time but whatever like these civilizations are different worlds because they're never going to intersect with each other like people can't even people don't ever make it that far like and travel hasn't Transportation hasn't evolved to connect everybody. And, um, like, I'm saying that... I'm saying that civilizations are... Hmm, what was the point that I was making? Civilizations are such that... Like, I wanted to make the point that hallucinogens are characterized... Like, you eat mushrooms or you do LSD... These are characterized by hallucinogenic experiences, but it's kind of like your experiences are apparitional or they're like just by definition they're it's kind of like a dream world. And then if you eat them and you're not allowed to say that you 
eat mushrooms or whatever. I think that you should. I think that people should eat mushrooms. This is what I think. And um, you don't say that you ate mushrooms because you want to protect your public image. And this is the, the world plays out this way for whatever reason. Everybody's afraid. You're, there's only like a couple people that would say that they did. And um, like, because mushrooms is... You should eat them because there's a completely different world of experiences just to just to see what it's like. And um, it's really like after the fact, your experience of doing a, a hallucinogen, you can treat it like a memory or a dream where you're like, I'm trying to remember back to when that happened because there is this whole world of wisdom that I was tapping into that I don't, that is now not in front of me when I'm not under the influence of it. But you can do that with any drug and you can do that with alcohol where you're like, I want to get back to the world where I'm drunk, but different drugs are different illusions, so to speak. And, um, they're, they're, they're an illusion. And then you can build up a lot about the mystery of it or the kind of wisdom that you can get from that world that's offered and presented by that drug. And you can, you can gather and then like, um, you can say that there's a lot to be gathered out of it. And then you can build up a memory that you had of taking it to be too big a thing. But it's kind of like, like the first time that you get drunk is might be the best high of that drug of alcohol that you ever get and then the rest of the time you're getting drunk you're just trying to be as drunk as the fun times you used to have or you you wish you could get as drunk as these other times you did or it's like you're always trying to relive the high with drugs is like one of the common complaints about them but um it's really more the case that any drug that you do everything is a drug and you live under the you live under the drug of um, separation from other people just by being in an apartment. But like traditionally that we separate ourselves in these homes is this practice that we've come to do where it's like things are less communal and um, and people are able to use excuses to not hang out with each other for whatever because of separation from everybody. But that's the way that it that's the way that it plays out. But um, like being around people and being influenced by them they are like if you're around the same people all the time then you're going to change to be more like them and you're going to be influenced in that direction and it's the same thing with drugs if you do if you smoke weed all the time you're going to just become more like a plant and um it's to the benefit of plants that are influencing you in that direction because it's like a plant has something to say to you um like weed has something to say to you and when you're under the influence of it that that a different world is presented to you in some respects this is just the world that is spoken to you by the plant or by plants itself and um what do plants say like in the 60s when people started to do lots of drugs is kind of when it started to become really popular the message of that money rules the world and money is evil and um like corporate America's evil that people should stop working and live more like hippies and people like people think life is about their career and about business. This started, uh, I mean th like hatred of corporate America has been around probably as long as corporate America has, but it's like popular, more popular dissent for it happened in, in the sixties. But I, I think it's as a result of drugs that people are under the influence of. And if plants could talk to you, 
which they can when you are under the influence of them, and then they present you a new world characterized by different messages and different trains of thought. Basically, plants talk to people through them doing weed, and then they tell them to get rid of buildings. They're like, we need to tear down buildings. Because if plants could talk to you, they would tell you that money was evil. Because anywhere where there's a building is this unnatural uh, business, this is un- unnatural thing where it's gone over nature or um, it's made nature defeated under itself. Like anywhere where there's a building where there's business is where money is playing out. It's like money to some extent is what's causing anybody to make these buildings. But like plants would tell you that money was evil because money is unnatural and foreign to them. And it's like to some extent, this is just you would. You'd have to pay attention to what your source is saying for these drugs. Any any hallucinogen, they're different messages specific to some different entity, really. And it's like, uh, like, and I think that that's how that's the proper way to view it is that it's almost like listening to a different person because it basically is. But um, the point that I'm making is just that what the world as it stands you not under the influence you can't not be under the influence of drugs because you're always in relationship to people that are influencing you to become more like them the same way that a drug would and the same way you you could give yourself over to anything you can just give yourself over to eating fast food you frequent fast food restaurants you're addicted to sugar or something you're addicted to bad food you're you're addicted to fast food then you characterize your life you give yourself more over to that way of life and you become characterized by it and you become more under the influence of fast food or and you are what you eat kind of thing just that you're eating anything if you eat lots of cows if you eat lots of beef like you're probably gonna be a little bit more like a cow i think but uh it depends on how much stock you put in you are what you eat and but like you're always in you're always in a relationship to somebody even just being in your apartment this is a this is a segment this is a compartmentalized way of life that people live in houses and apartments that it didn't have to be this way people are under the influence of a drug of some kind that they thought that everybody should separate themselves and this is the best way to live like people are entranced by some spell where they're like the way of living life is this life is separated in the house you separate into houses and it's more maybe it's more identified as opposed to unidentified like we're not all in one place but um i i just i wanted to mention that a picture is a like people say that a picture is worth a thousand words it's not a picture is worth one word picture that's the word that it's worth boom Suck it, picture is worth a thousand words. Take that. But, like, you say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, all that you're saying is that words are abundant. There is, words are anywhere. Everything is a picture, though. If you're saying a picture is worth a thousand words, you understand that anything is a picture because anything can have a picture taken of it. Like, the armchair in your house is a picture even if nobody took a picture of it, because somebody can take a picture of it, but it's a picture of chairs. But it's also worth a thousand words. Any object is worth a thousand words because words are abundant. Words can describe anything. Like a chair, you can talk, there. it's worth a thousand words. If you like the spring that connects to the recliner that pulls out the ottoman, 
is made of this material and this chair has this many right angles inside the chair and then has zero right angles outside of the chair. The surface area of this arm this arm of the chair is this many inches, but then the surface area, area of the back of the chair is this many inches. It has this height. It's this color. And the first time that somebody made this color of this kind of chair is uh, back in the year 1820, but they didn't know that they, nobody made chairs any different color besides this until this year. But it's like, it, anything is worth a thousand words. Any pi that a picture is worth a thousand words is a basically meaningless phrase. A picture is worth one word. That's why you reduce a picture to a single image. That's why you reduce it to the word picture. That's why you call it a picture, is so that you can say that it is one word. Because you wouldn't, it's lucky that anybody took a picture of it at all. Whatever picture you're saying is worth a thousand words. What's significant about it is that there is a picture. What's significant about it is that it can be reduced to one word, not that there are many words for it. It, it just points to that motion pictures are um, so much more than that. Like, think of how many words a motion picture is. Because a picture is, like, then you're assuming, what you're assuming then is that a motion picture is worth, but it's kind of like once a, something is a motion picture, it's really beyond words, be, and it would be because it's an experience, and the point that you, reason you're having it is to get beyond singular more closed-minded descriptions of something and um as a picture is worth a thousand words a motion picture is worth thousands and thousands because a motion picture is many lots of different pictures like as many as you want to create is what is in a three-minute time frame of some activity that happened the entire time you can create as many pictures out of that as you want and um, it's just like how many words for a, something that's happening. But it's just when something's happening, this is already different from something that you can visualize or reduce to a single image in your imagination. Um, and that's what an imagination is for, is for you to create images. But it's like a world that builds up your imagination or says that creativity comes from your imagination. It doesn't because at the point that you create something, it is not in images like a creation is typically um something that involves more so than just a single point i mean if it's a good creation but if you make a ch you make a person and you live you give them a name right out right out of the gate you're already putting their entire life on a time frame where you're like they'll live you're already naming the time frame of their life you're already including that they're going to die as that and on tombstones, people put their name. It's like everybody knows already that your tombstone is going to have your name on it. It's like you're already envisioning the entire life. You're naming the whole time frame the second a baby comes out of the womb. And because of um, because you're dealing of that dealing with them in terms of more of images, but like that's what you would do if you're because like a book is. You can say that it's just one book under one title, and that includes the whole beginning to end of it. But also, like, reading the book includes so much more than the title. But, I, so, like, what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? You're going to name your kid not a title? So there's, like, so there's, so like, I'm, it's not the best system in the world, but it's something that you do now, obviously. You can't get around it. You name 
name kids things, but you're you're saying you're speaking more to just reducing the entire thing to an image. If that you're like, well, the th image that they will be reduced to from here after and for all remembrance of them for the rest of time, the image they will be reduced to is this, rather than treat them while they're living like they're a living, moving thing. But if you're all, if everybody has to hearken back to the noun that the name is every time that they address them, this is less in this is less language that is circulated in the name of recognizing people to be in motion and um like the point that i'm making is that hallucinogen like a different drug is always is already going to happen but the whole world is a is an illusion because that you're going to characterize this experience as not as an illusion when your day-to-day -day is not one. But, like, um, what I'm saying is the further that you go into just saying that a person is who they are in thousands of contexts rather than that. Like, if you give credit to all of the contexts that a person can appear in, the more that you do this is the more that you're just recognizing the elusive nature that uh, like things are an illusion at at all things are always an illusion because the context that you're in momentarily or temporarily is um not doesn't communicate the full story but it's like obviously a context is temporary if you're going to give credit to the context that people appear in rather than the person like uh like in the context you appear in is like the room or the packaging the avenue that you've chosen to go down that you're living through it can just be your car like you 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 drive in a car and that's one of the contexts that you appear in but like a car is this invention that comes with its own territory and its own characteristics and it's its own way of life like listening to radios listening to a radio in the car and then connecting to humanity through listening to popular songs and uh, that way of doing it plays out in a car, that there's something special about when a song comes on the radio rather than uh, that you get to choose all of your songs, even though nobody, nobody gives a fuck about the radio music anymore or that anymore. People just can people choose their songs when they get, are given the option to do that. And so if we're not listening to the radio, but it's just like the culture that comes ar along with cars and then ways that you connect to humanity through the culture that's presented with cars is a different kind of mentality. It's like a different kind of perception and drug and way of living that is, you send yourself through and you're, you're under the, you're under that context and that context takes responsibility for your actions while you're in it to some extent. You're like, well, I was in my car. I was, no, I couldn't because I was driving. I couldn't. And, uh, like, or I need to get there. It's like it takes this long. You can blame anything on traffic, like. But it's it's a it's a it's something that you can blame, is what I'm saying. A car, but um, if you give credit to all the different contexts, is like giving credit to all the different drugs that you could be under the influence of. Um, it's the more that you say that the context is important over the person appearing in them, is. Uh, is the more that you're going to say that things are an illusion. So it's like you don't have to 
you don't have to focus on the context. Some people might be more interested in that. Maybe the context speaks to a more unidentified set of things than an identified one because it's um, um, because the context is what's going to account for motion more so because uh, giving credit to all possible contexts gives credit to like all of time and all time frames that you could say somebody is living through. And so it's like the more that you focus on all possible contexts, the more that you recognize all instances of motion that you describe somebody to be in. And so it's kind of like motion itself and motion itself or verbs is more what you're giving credit to with the context as opposed to the text, as opposed to the person in the context person. I mean, like a little, it's a little bit like that um, as opposed to identity of a person, the unidentity of motion. And um, like, I'm saying that everything is more of an illusion if you're just going to say, like, if you're just going to say life is as much about the context as it is about you living through it. Like, it's about the context, then things are just, everything is an illusion because, um, my phone ran out of space. Great. That's fine. And, um, but, uh, yeah, like everything is more an illusion. If you're not this the same way that a dream is, is like a dream comes about, it presents completely different context, completely different world. Whatever dream you're in is like, oh, it's this is a different place, basically, unless you have a reoccurring dream that takes you to the same place. But it's like, even then, it's a different world that is different from the world that you're typically living in, and that's a that's an illusion that isn't. And it's an illusion because it's not related to what you see day to day. It's not related to like reality and you seeing things practically because there's just like the obvious nature of these things are around me and it's very obviously classifiable and di diagramable are the objects and shit in my house. It's like obviously these things are happening. Like there's that and that is that is not an illusion, but it's, it is more of an illusion if you just see that as a regular context comparable to any other context, because very gradually you can, you could see gradually how one context bleeds into another. Like you could see how, um, like that, that you're able to entertain a dream world at all, or entertain a different kind of person under a different drug. Like, at all shows that the world of complete reality where very obvious things are happening is not that far away from these other worlds that you would consider to be illusions or consider to be dreams. And so like, I guess that just says what, um, is there a way of gradually describing the bridge between the world that we live in and then the world of dreams? And then there's people probably that give themselves over to dreams so much and they are in the business of doing this. It's like you can kind of create, you can kind of make it, you can recognize the whole world to be a dream, but it's like people are, people are already not on the same plane. People are living at different levels of intelligence and perception of things. And so who's, 
who is correct and what is like the way that somebody is living is uh is a foreign world or is like completely a dream or it's like you would say that somebody is so wrong that they're living in a completely different world and they probably are because they perceive the world differently if they're so much different from you and that's obvious like people are already living in various levels of being lucid and it's like so which one is uh who who is not living a dream is part of it. It's like every somebody is living a dream according to somebody else because they don't live in reality, and that's that's happening across the board, comparatively speaking, person to person. But um, right, uh, thanks thanks for listening and uh, subscribe to all of my things. Subscribe to every one of them. Give me credit and uh, and all of that. Goodbye.